Welcome to the Sipsters Wine Podcast with Luke Whittall. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sipsters Wine Podcast. I am your Sipster host, Luke Whittall, and this podcast is about exploring wine experiences with amazing people who are passionate about wine and all sensory experiences. Please like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite player. Comment on it, review it, and if you really like what you hear, you can make a donation to help support the show. Links for all of that will be on the website, sipsterswinepodcast.ca. Every little bit helps, and I appreciate it very, very, very much. It helps me produce these podcasts. You will also find links on that website to the Sipsters Icons page on Substack and my bookstore where you will find the new Sipsters Pocket Guide to 50 Must Try Ontario Wines, which is now out. There are also uh, all of the other Sipsters books and other books on wine that I have written. The new Sipsters Pocket Guide to 50 Must Try BC Wines Volume 3 is coming out in the spring, and that will be available on my bookstore as soon as I get copies of it. I do not write about vintages in these books, so they never get old, and uh, so you can always read about some of the best wines out there. So if you haven't read a Sipsters book, uh, maybe give it a try, because it's kind of fun. It's fun to read, and it's certainly fun to write. So here we are. Welcome to part two of my announcement about the winners of this year's Sippy Awards. This is the first year, and this year uh, there is nine, uh, nine winners, nine of the best wines I've tasted over the past year. There's actually going to be one more. We're going to have the wine of the year next week, uh, which I'll talk about next week. But this one is the nine best wines that I have tasted over the past year. If you haven't heard part one from last week, that's okay. You don't need to, but you might want to go listen to it to hear the honorable mentions. There are some fantastic wines in that set, and I think uh, you should hear about them. Of the nine winning wines this year, three are from British Columbia, and six are from Ontario. I'm not sure what to attribute that difference to. Uh, I don't know how many wines from each place I've tasted over the past year, but I know that I wrote one book about each region last year, so I have to think it's probably pretty close. I do live in British Columbia, so the opportunity to taste more BC wines obviously is there, but um, yeah, I, I really don't really know. Maybe I should track that. Do you keep track of how many wines from where you know, that you get to taste over over a year. I, I'd never even thought of doing that, actually, until now, but it's possible. All of these wines are like, whoa, wines, meaning that's the first thing that you will say when you smell them in your glass for the first time. It's These wines are just pretty obviously fantastic. The experience I had with all of these wines was amazing each and every time. Most of these wines I have experienced multiple times and in different settings, very likely. So it's not like a traditional wine competition where they round up hundreds of wines and judges pick the best of those wines out of that set. So it, it all happens sort of in one day. Obviously, for a wine competition, they can't 
they can't do it over a long period of time and it has to be sort of a focus set like that. But for this competition, it's not like that. Actually, it's not even really a competition. It's just an awards. So it's not really even, I shouldn't even really compare it in some ways. But this is how we do it and this is why I'm telling you about it. I do keep a notebook uh, for all of these wines whenever I'm doing tastings. I tend to uh, jot down my notes in that. I do sort of a uh, my own version of, of note taking. I realized that, uh, you know, I've been, I was trained with WSET, the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. And, and so my notes kind of go in that direction sometimes, but I tend to write things so that I know that I will remember what these wines taste like. These are uh, all the wines with a bunch of little stars next to them. Like I knew uh, I didn't want to forget any of these wines as I was taking those notes. And so I would do something to make them stand out. If I was just flipping through the pages, I could see them really clearly. This is a wine that I really need to remember. If I had a bottle of these uh, of these wines at home, uh, I try to do this all the time. I'd leave them sort of half empty with, a, with an airtight silicone stopper for a few days, sometimes a week or more just to see how they hold up to aging. And pretty obviously these wines all made it past the one week mark quite easily. That doesn't necessarily mean that an amazing wine has to be one that ages because that's an interesting topic to maybe deal with later. But I think it's a good indicator of a well-made wine. That's my opinion. And, uh, and if you disagree, send me an email, let me know and then start your own awards. These are my awards. So <laughs> here we go. Um, these are all the wines that when basically people ask me uh, what they should get, these are the wines that I usually start with. If, yeah, basically I get asked, you know, what's your favorite wine? I'm like, I don't have a favorite wine. How can I have a favorite wine? There's so many of them, but uh, these ones will be ones that I will, I will kind of think about first. Uh, at least in the over the over the past year, anyways. Um, these are the best wines. It, it basically, in short, these are the best wines that I've experienced this past year. So here we go: the winners of the first ever 2024 Sippy Awards. Should we have some music to cue this through? Let's try. I don't usually do that unless there's another interview or something happening, but hey, there we go. Let's try it. Okay, so the winners of the Sippy Awards for 2024 in alphabetical order. These are not in a ranked order. This is alphabetically. And the first wine is Asha Wines Blindsided Viognier 2016. $96 from Naramata. The, this uh, Viognier from BC is not high on the list of age-worthy wines, in my opinion. I've seen some great ones really early on. Maybe it's just my personal preference. I kind of like them in the first few, you know, two or three years. I think they show really well. Yet here I was cracking open a seven-year-old Viognier from Naramata um, one day when I was having dinner and I was on my own. But whatever I was having went with Viognier. So I don't normally open wine on my own, but for whatever reason, this was this was the one. So as soon as I did, uh, I felt very stupid. And it was immediately apparent to me that this wine was way too good 
to be enjoyed on, on my own. Like I really needed to have someone else there to share it with because it was just, it was, it was an, an obvious wine of very elevated quality. And so I found someone a couple of texts later, one of my friends responded and uh, joined me on her way home from work. She didn't even go home first. She showed up in her uniform, which is really funny. Anyways, that is what dedication to wine is all about, folks. That's you just you just don't even go home. Anyways, um, this wine had just a complexity to the and a depth to it, both on the nose and on the palate. And and it was just, it was just amazing. And it wasn't just me. My friend who came over, she thought exactly the same thing. She's like, this is amazing. I've never had, you know, and, and again, this is like seven or eight year old, uh, Viognier, seven years old, I guess at that point. And it just, it didn't make sense to me that, uh, that that was, that that was even possible in BC. And, and it really stood out. It was just a fantastic, fantastic experience. So Asher Wines, Blindsided Viognier 2016, $96 from Naramata. The second wine, well, next on the list, not second, they're all winners, but the second winner, Alderley Vineyards Pinot Noir 2020, $33 from Duncan, British Columbia. I am becoming alarmingly obsessed with Pinot Noir from Vancouver Island probably because I keep meeting new ones that are that are sort of up the game, right? That are more fantastic than the last. And to me, Alderley raised the bar again. What does it have that Pinot Noirs from other parts of BC and Canada maybe don't have? It has an utterly unique character and it is the farthest thing from boring. It is just an unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable wine that way. It can only come from not only Vancouver Island, but but from, from Alderley. It has texture. There's a velvety texture that makes this more than just a bottle of fermented grape juice. This is what makes wine interesting to me is, is all of these things. And if a wine doesn't have these things, then I'm, I'm not really interested in it. But this one does, and it's fantastic. The flavors are unique, only on the, on the island, like I said, and perhaps the Gulf Islands too. Although uh, it, I don't know that we're there yet. I don't know that we could sort of pick this out. I could... I think we could probably pick it out as being from Vancouver Island, although I don't know if we could separate it as like, well, this is from Duncan or this is from Saanich or something. No, I don't think we're there yet. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, so yeah, flavors, fantastic. I know I just put out uh, an article on Stipster's Icons railing against the idea of terroir and Canadian wine, but not because I don't believe in it, just that it's uh, I think it's a bit of an abused marketing term with very little meaning for the wines that we make here. However, Pinot Noirs from the islands right now do taste different somehow. I'm not about to try to qualify that by listing particular flavors or anything, but there is something different with island Pinot Noirs and Alderley's stands out as the best I tasted last year. Not only does it taste uh, amazing and complex and all that stuff, but it looks fantastic too. They, I think, I don't know if the labels are new this year or, or something, but anyways, it, it looks, you know, dare I say, iconic in some ways. It's just a, it's, it's just a beautiful, they've done a really good job. So fantastic. Alderley Vineyards Pinot Noir 2020, 33 bucks from Duncan, British Columbia. 
The next wine, Cloudsley Cellars Pinot Noir 2019, $37 from Vineland, Ontario. This was a, uh, you know, it's one of those start the car wines. Like, you can't believe how much this wine costs. It, it, it tastes way too amazing for the price that you'll pay for it. It's one of those just severe overachievers. That's what I thought when I tasted it for the first time. Then I learned that it's actually their baseline model. It's like the least expensive of their portfolio and like the bottom tier, which was amazing because, you know, if that's like the, the, the least expensive, you know, the least, the bottom of their portfolio, then what's the best stuff like? Like I now fear for the safety of my bank account as to what the rest of their portfolio tastes like. It's just, it, I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of speechless about it, to be honest. I did not get to visit them on my last trip, and, and I deeply regret not being able to fit it in. Um, I know I drove past it. I remember seeing signs, uh, but it just, the timing just didn't work. I had to go to uh, record a podcast somewhere. So it was, it was the number one winery on my next trip. So I have to see what else they can do because it's, and I've seen it's all like single vineyard, you know, Pinot Noirs from here and there and everything like that. They really focus on Pinot Noir, which is great at Chardonnay. But, um, but anyways, I, I really, this, this winery just intrigues me to no end. And I hope it does for you too. Cloudsley Cellars, Pinot Noir, 2019, 37 bucks from Vineland, Ontario. Um, yeah. Look for it. Another winner from the 2024 Sippy Awards. Next wine. Featherstone Cabernet Franc 2020, 23 bucks from Vineland, Ontario. It's a lot of Vineland happening here. Uh, the first bottle of this wine was purchased for me, and I had no prior knowledge of this winery or the wine. And... Uh, when I opened it, it was obviously a fantastic wine. It was really amazing. I've had it a couple times, at least a couple times since then. And every time it lives up to that first experience, uh, it, it's, it's the same thing. It's very consistent, which is great. I later learned it had won some other big awards in the past. So it's, I'm clearly not the only one who thinks this wine is fantastic. Uh, I went there for a tasting experience a couple of years ago as well. And the tasting experience was really good as too. It's a beautiful property and, you know, lovely experience on the, we were on the, the patio on the veranda, I guess. Um, for me personally, I think this is a benchmark Ontario Cab Franc. This is what Cab Franc should be. It is savory. It is gently fruity. It has a slightly spicy edge. It's, perfectly balanced there are no sharp edges of acidity or tannins there's nothing sort of poking out anywhere this is fine point winemaking at its best and it is just so utterly enjoyable uh so yeah featherstone cabernet franc 2020 23 bucks Vineland, ontario look for it next wine peninsula ridge Weismer or Weismer Vineyard Sauvignon Blanc 2020, also 23 bucks from Lincoln, Ontario. So 
normally Sauvignon Blancs for me are like the warm-up acts, like the ones you have before the more serious ones uh, or the stars of the evening, whatever, whatever that one is. Sauvignon Blancs just don't occupy that same kind of first thought this is the wine I'm going to have and, and I'm going to build a meal around it or, or whatever for me. Sauvignon Blanc, and maybe I'm just, I, I think New Zealand, I think Sancerre, I think all these places where there's some really good things. Maybe I just don't eat enough seafood. Actually, that cup probably could be it. But regardless, this wine will steal the show. If you put this on as the opening act, there might be more applause for this wine than whatever wine you're going to have in, after that, I could not believe the complexity I was experiencing when I opened this one. This was totally new territory for me, and I loved it instantly. I remember keeping it in my fridge for weeks because I didn't, I didn't drink the whole thing. And I tasted it, took a little sip, and tasted it every couple of days. Is it going to be dead today? Mm, no. How about today? No. I got to the end of the bottle before it started showing signs of tapping out. It was amazing. It was complex. Clearly, it was age-worthy. And, and like I said, the experience was just absolutely fantastic. It was. It had everything going for it. And a fantastic bottle of wine. So again, Peninsula Ridge, uh, Weismer Vineyard Sauvignon Blanc, 2020, 23 bucks from Lincoln, Ontario. The next wine, Rennie Estate Winery Onyx Cabernet Franc 2020, $60 from Vineland, Ontario. If you still think that Canada cannot do rich, opulent reds, then please keep believing that so that the prices don't keep going up on this style. Just go buy something else from Australia or California and be happy. The fact that you're listening to this podcast at all means you're interested in Canadian wine, so I don't think you're going to do that. But this is uh, one of the best examples. I have a name for it, actually, for this style of winemaking. I call it Ontarioni, and it's a style of winemaking made using grapes that have been dried like Amarone, thus Ontarioni. It's a pasito or a pasamento style where the grapes, uh, there's basically wine made from, from raisins, basically, from dried grapes, and then fermented dry. Sometimes they can make sweet wines from that, and I'm not saying Rennie does that, but like the style in, in Italy, uh, which is where this technique kind of, well, I don't know if it comes from there, but they certainly do a lot of it there. They can make sweet wine from that as well, but Amarone is completely dry. And, and so this style of wine made in Ontario, which I call Ontarioni, is, uh, is made this way as well. It is in a whole other league, but not just because uh, it's like, not the style, but the, the Rennie Estate Onyx Cabernet Franc is in another league, uh, not just because it's a richy rich style, um, but it is a whole different, it is like the top of a whole different subcategory of red wines. Um, like white wines have subcategories like aromatic whites or dry whites or oaked whites, but red wines don't really have any subcategories in the same way. I mean, you can call them light reds or big reds, but otherwise they're just all, you know, red. I think there's huge potential for this kind of red wine category in Canada. Um, although Ontario is the only province that has actually done anything about it. And I think it'd be actually really interesting to see uh, if anyone in British Columbia wants to do that kind of thing. 
But in Ontario, there's lots of wineries. Some wineries actually just do like one version of this, like they do one Ontarioni type wine. But uh, but Rennie really uh, does a, quite a few of them, and and they're all like monsters. They are fantastic. Um, but why this wine? Why does the Cab Franc stand out for me? Honestly, it could have been any of their wines, but this one really stuck out because it had the most accessible flavors. And as of when I tasted it last fall, it had the most balanced structure. It was the flavors were more clearly defined and the finish lasted like until the day after I was there. I mean, it was just gorgeous. It was a, an absolutely monumental memory, like monumentally memorable wine. And so if you ever get to, if you ever get offered, a, a <laughs> if anyone offers you this at a party, just say yes. If you see it in a store, oh my God. Yeah, it's a great experience. And to experience that kind of wine is fantastic. So yes. Uh, Rennie Estate Winery Onyx Cabernet Franc 2020, 60 bucks from Vineland, Ontario. The next wine, Solvero Pinot Noir 2019, 35 bucks from Summerland, British Columbia. I love when someone pairs adventure with a skill, right? It's one thing to go out and explore the world and see what you can see, right? And just kind of, you know, what's out there. But it's another to do the same thing and capture it somehow. You can't just you can't just take a phone out into the woods and expect to get something published in National Geographic. It's not going to happen, right? This Pinot Noir comes from the Garnet Valley north of Summerland, and it's unlike any other vineyard in BC in so many ways. Drinking it makes me feel like I did when I visited the winery for the first time last summer. I've tasted this wine a couple times before I even got to go there. And and it, there was just something different about it. It doesn't feel like it's in the Okanagan. You can't see the lake. There's no view. It's just trees. And you can see the other side of the narrow part of the valley. But but basically, it, it it's, it's sort of the most non-Okanagan feeling winery you can you can be at and it's quite interesting when you're there um it is focused and so is the wine your experience there is focused rather so is the wine this is what happens when you 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 match skill with adventure you know what you're doing they know what they're doing and clearly it's i just can't even imagine what that what this wine is going to taste like in five or ten years i think it's it's I can't even wait to see their future vintages. I think this is this is going to be fantastic. So, Salvero Pinot Noir, 2019, 35 bucks from Summerland, British Columbia. The next wine, Southbrook, the anniversary non-vintage, 30 bucks for a half bottle, a Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario. So, this is one of the wines that I only tasted once when I was there, but I'm pretty sure that the wine shop staff, that everybody in the wine shop, I was the only customer that day or that at the time I was there. I'm pretty sure that everybody at Southbrook noticed the way my face was incapable of not smiling when I smelled this. I had like permagrin for the next hour. It was really cool. This is a Madeira styled fortified wine that is super classy, precision balanced, and just amazing. It did not feel like I was in Ontario anymore. It was it was just it just moved me to to another place, to maybe to Madeira. I mean, I know other wineries that have tried to do this style of wine, 
and uh, but he, like they either do it as a one-off or uh, in the case of one winery that I know it would it was an accident they sort of you know left a barrel out and so there you go and it worked and it and that was good too um, but Southbrook has been very studied and deliberate about this one and it really really shows they have totally done their homework I should say that I really love Madeira wines and I've tried many different styles over the years. I used to use them in a wine and food pairing class that I taught at Okanagan College years ago. Uh, I love the complexity that can come from this style. And uh, the flavors are also like nothing else in the wine world. It's it's really very, very unique to the point where Madeira has its own um, adjective. It, like the word Madeira, you can say that a wine is matterized, right? It has been... It has been uh, basically cooked. That's kind of a way of saying it. The wine's been, uh, but in a good way, right? It's It's got these sort of, um, you know, nutty uh, sort of, uh, not jammy, but sort of a nutty, sweet, brown sugar, kind of oxidized kind of flavor. That's to say it's been matterized. So Madeira has been like, it's its own adjective, basically. Madeiras can be sweet, but are never over the top, of course. And the anniversary does all those things. It ticks all of those boxes. And it's the only Canadian wine of this style that I've ever found that can do that with any degree of legitimacy. It is just amazing. And and I really hope you get to try this wine. Uh, I think they have a fairly, they've got lots of barrel. They do it kind of, I think they do with kind of a Solera system for their aging. I, I can't remember. I might be wrong on that, but it, it doesn't look like it's gonna, like it, they showed, they pointed to some barrels that were in, you know, next to the wine shop. So, um, it, it just, yeah, it's just fantastic, fantastic experience. You really need to try this. Southbrook, the anniversary non-vintage, 30 bucks, Niagara on the Lake, Ontario. And the final wine for today is a Riesling. Sue Ann Staff, Robert's Block, Riesling 2019, $27 from Jordan, Ontario. So honestly, I could have chosen anything that Sue Ann Staff made, uh, but this is the one that I know the best after tasting at least four vintages of it over the past year. Um, I love Riesling, as you might know, because it's a challenge. Every time I taste a Riesling, I, I never know what I'm going to get. It's, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to be racy? Is it going to be dry? Is it going to be sweet? Is it going to be off dry? You know, how, what's, what are the flavors going to come at me? What is that? And I, I just love that challenge. I love this Riesling because it was the one that challenged me the most last year, right? Complexity and nuance, check. Depth of flavor, check. Ageability, check, check, check. Oh my God. I had, uh, I have bottles of the oldest vintage, open in my fridge for weeks just to see how long it would last. It, it just, it didn't, it didn't break at all. It, it just boggled my mind. This means that this, these wines can go for years or decades in the cellar if you really want to go that far. And seriously, uh, all it takes is one taste of an aged Ontario Riesling to get you hooked on that. And that's what happened to me. For me, it was October. I remember I remember where I was working. It was October of 2008 that I first tasted one. Somebody had brought one in. I can't remember uh, who was the producer of that wine, but it was definitely from Ontario. 
and it was a mid 90s vintage it was like 94 or 95 or something like that well over a decade old at that point and it was an unreal tasting experience it was like just the most floral deeply apple-y but not like a fresh green apple kind of thing like i think we're used to tasting with riesling i think it's it was much more uh profound dark like a, a red deeply you know red almost bruised kind of apple not not an apple pie kind of thing and it was unreal anyways sue ann staff's rieslings have that potential and and they have that depth and they have that complexity and they have that ageability and i love that sue ann staff robert's block riesling 2019 the final winner for the sippies for 2024 so there they are, the winners of the first annual Sippy Awards. I hope that you enjoyed hearing about them and about my experiences with them. Have you tried any of these wines before? What do you think? Agree with me? Disagree? That's all good. Share your opinions with your friends. Wine is for talking about and discussing in person, so go do that. I'm slowly stepping away from social media, so if you post stuff on there, that's great. I probably won't see it. You can email me, though, and please do, sipsterswinepodcast at gmail.com. I try to respond to all the emails I can. I'm not always quick about it, but I'll do it as best I can. If you work at any of the winning wineries and would like a copy of the graphic to adorn your marketing, please contact me at sipsterswinepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, just request one and I will send you a PNG file that you can use. Uh, yeah. So add that to your social media if you want to as well. Coming up next week is the Sipster wine of the year for 2024. Hope you enjoy your Sipster experience. Look for some of these wines, enjoy wine, talk about it with your friends and have a great experience. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sipsters Wine Podcast. Go to Sipsters online at sipsterswinepodcast.ca.